the incomparable number 400, April 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is episode number 400. I know it's shocking. In episode one, I asked myself in a pre-taped bit after we finally decided what we were going to call this thing, what the podcast would be. And my answer was that I didn't know. It's true. You can look it up. But I did say, get a bunch of people together who I know and are on the geeky side. I think that part of it we definitely nailed. And I will point out a point of trivia, which is I didn't proclaim my hate for my panelists and myself until episode three. So I think I showed a lot of restraint there. <laughs> Wait, that was my first episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the one that broke him. Um, I think editing <laughs> editing episode one broke me, but I, I proclaimed the hate in episode three. Anyway, I am joined now by a, a, an all-star collection of incomparable panelists. In fact, I'm, well. going, to, I'm going to list our 11, <laughs> our 11 most uh, prolific panel members on this show uh, in order, and most of them are here, not all, but most of them are here. Dan Morin, who has appeared on about 180 episodes and uh, made his first appearance in episode one. Hi, Dan. Hello, Jason. <laughs> I was a young man when we started. <laughs> what? Is that old Dan Morin I hear? What? What? Speak up, Sonny. Oh, boy. No, I want to see where he's going with this. This is the company I keep. <laughs> with 139 appearances, his first being in episode three, John Syracuse. So hello. Present, sir. Thank you. Thank you. No funny voices? Nah. All right. I'm not going to do old man. I'm not going to I'm not going to stoop to that level. My regular voice is my old man voice. <laughs> it's just the old man voice. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> <laughs> With about 138 episodes, in, and his first appearance wasn't until episode 133 when he wrote an entire radio theater script for us. David J. Lore, hello. Hello. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this till we get it right. That's mm-hmm. all. That's all I know. All right. Well, keep on working on it. That ought to keep you alive into your 90s. <laughs> Our fourth most prolific person on this on this panel, uh, he's not here, but we'll just put a shout out. He was in episode one. He's been on about 120 times. It's Scott McNulty. He couldn't make it. Yeah, this podcast Actually, he may over. be here. He hates people. He doesn't he talk people. a lot, so he may we just be you, here. Scott. <laughs> we love I'm you, not Scott. saying anything. An hour into this show, he's going to make a really incisive comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> With about 116 appearances, first appearing on episode nine... What a weird episode that was. Steve Lutz. The Hi, Steve. Best. The best episode. Jason, 400 episodes. What is wrong with us? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the question that becomes more relevant with every passing episode, I think. Um, with a 96 appearances, first appearing only in episode 48. A latecomer, I guess. Whatever. Monty <laughs> Ashley. Hi. Hello. I picture us all in, like, 1970s suits as we file in, like we're becoming the panel of a bad game show. Oh, we're like the Baseball Hall of Fame committee or something. Okay. It's like you're watching my yeah. house. Yeah. it's something creepy. It's something very much oh. like that. Um, Serenity Caldwell couldn't be here, but she's made about 92 appearances, first on episode three. Then, with about 89 appearances, Erica Ensign, who didn't appear until episode 160, making you still, after all this time, the newbie. <laughs> uh, I'm the new kid on the block. Yeah. Well, I still feel like it, so that's. I'm, I'm, glad, it's, I'm glad it's true. Keep up the good work, rookies. It's, you've only been part of the panel for 40% of the episodes. So. Yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Did David, did David appear in a speaking role on a podcast intel after she was on 
I think no. he did make an appearance late in episode 133. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then on every episode oh. after that. And then every <laughs> episode since then. Exactly. Yeah. Tune in for episode 500 when we do discuss the question of what is wrong with us. <laughs> By then, maybe we'll know. Maybe. Maybe we'll know. Um, you know, early, right, right before we started, somebody asked how many panelists it takes to ruin a podcast. And I don't know, but here's Glenn Fleischman, who's been on 87 episodes. Hi, Glenn. <laughs> That's me, Glenn the Fleischman. How are you? I don't think you? the two are related. Oh, it's amazing how many episodes it took you to fully understand my plan, Jason. Really took a while. But you were in episode one, so <laughs> that was. Yeah, well, uh, I, I should have known. Star Wars episode one doesn't mean it's good. Mm. <laughs> he plays uh, the long game. Ow. Uh, she, uh, with seventy-two appearances, and she was in episode two. Lisa mm-hmm. Schmeiser, hello. I'm I'm so happy to be here. I'm just glad to be included. Thank you for being here, and Aww. not also not appearing, but I wanted to mention him because I like lists that go to eleven. Stephen Fry, sixty-one appearances, and first appearing in episode fourteen. Tony Sindelar. Ah, everybody's internet Aww. pal Tony. Oh, Hello, nerd. nerd. Reference acknowledged. <laughs> Why is Tony not here? He doesn't have anything going on. I don't know. <laughs> I was literally playing video games with him 20 minutes ago. Why isn't he here? Uh, too, uh, good for us, too good for us. Yeah, you know what? He's right. <laughs> this is how he maintains the Tony Sindelar mystique. He's probably watching a Batman movie. Yeah, that's probably the Oh, the wait case. a second. Hold on. It's night. He has to go out as Batman. Sorry. Oh, God. Is this live? Shh. Cut this out. It's too late. Shh. Bat's out of the bag. <laughs> What are we going to do on this episode? What's the topic you may be asking? Uh, you may not be asking, but I'm going to tell you anyway. There is no topic. Instead, we're going to do a draft, and it's going to be a draft in four parts. I know. No, what? no topic? That's crazy. It's incomparable. It has to be a draft. So in, in the first round of this draft, uh, people are going to draft in order of uh, their first appearance on The Incomparable. And Uh-oh. The, uh, that was a the, bad idea. The, to- the topic for this is tell Jason, give Jason ideas about <laughs> episodes that could come between 400 second. and 500. I would like Pretty to know subtle. a future topic you'd like to have uh, an episode of The Incomparable about and uh, maybe tell me why. And since I flipped a coin and Dan won, so Dan can go before Glenn here. Dan. Oh, wow. I get, I get my first pick and I you know, yeah, there are just so many options. I, I feel like we've got, there's like rich veins we haven't tapped yet, Jason. Mm. Um, I am going to pick a TV show, a um, actually an, an animated show that I quite like that I've debated taking sort of a Batman University approach to, but which I think could be fun to discuss on the main show as well, which is the show Gargoyles, huh. uh, oh, which is yeah. a Disney show that aired in the mid 90s that was ended up being surprisingly uh surprisingly deep and uh involving a lot of interesting elements of not only mythology from a variety of places around the world but also things like shakespeare really came into play um which was kind of bizarre for me as a 14 year old like i actually went out and read Macbeth um because he was a character on the show yeah and see I was that's like, how they was, get you mm-hmm. yeah that's how they that's this <laughs> dangerous shakespeare, shakespeare agenda you're, yeah mm-hmm. you're in the pocket of big, big shakespeare, shakespeare. Is it so it sounds like that show was educational yeah, if you don't if you don't learn about it in cartoons, you'll learn about it on the street. To tie it in, I mean, obviously it's a it's a very nerdy show because it involves gargoyles. They come to life. But one of the things I quite enjoy about it is that huge numbers of Star Trek cast members voice oh, yes. characters, mm-hmm. uh, yes. including Jonathan Franks and Marina Sirtis, who are both fairly major characters. I think only of the TNG crew, I think only um, uh, Patrick Stewart and Gates McFadden do not appear. Pretty much everybody else. So yeah, I, I it's a it's an interesting show. I I really like it. I've I've acquired it all on DVD over the years. I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere, but you know Disney is reputedly 
planning a streaming service so maybe it'll show up there dan we do we do all sorts of episodes about things that are unavailable so Fair point. why not why not i this? mean it's available it's certainly available on dvd i i own it uh it took a while to find the last third of it it took a long time for that to come out so uh, i really like that show a lot i think there's a lot of interesting complex things about it and it does a lot of stuff that you know, animated shows now kind of do that it's commonplace with like arcs and character building and stuff like that. But back in the mid 90s, that was not really common at all. Hmm. So stories with long serialized storylines, um, you know, that you had to sort of follow. I mean, I remember being on a mailing list to let me know when like there would be new episodes of this show <laughs> because there was no there wasn't like a lot of resources to find out that kind of thing back in, you know, 1994 or so. Uh, so yeah I, it's a thing i think probably a lot of people who are roughly my age have may have fond memories of i think a lot of people who are either older or younger than me probably missed it entirely uh and as such could be an interesting topic for discussion and uh we'll move on to glenn glenn a uh, future topic help me help me out here i i want to just say gargoyles is awesome and even though i'm an old man i did watch it and i would love to be in an episode about it because it's fantastic uh i i have a thematic episode which is my want as you all know and i was thinking uh, i went back and actually looked at the uh, list of 400 episodes and laughed myself silly at the descriptions very good job jason uh and um there's something i uh, like i say it's maybe too thematic but this is you're asking for topics um reevaluations and some of the episodes we've done uh we have talked about like how we reevaluate a work over time and sometimes it's you know what we think about the creator who has been outed as being a terrible person or later work has affected it. But I think, I feel like at this point, I've, I've stored up a whole bunch of, of works of fiction and media across, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of different kinds of media, I should say, and, and genre where, uh, I, I don't, I think there's, there's maybe too much of a notion that it's hard to reevaluate stuff, that you like something you don't. Maybe you read more of it. We've done an episode on sequels where we read, you know, we talked about subsequent books in a series that make us regret the first book or, or it retcons it for us. But I found myself in a, what I think is a really wonderful position of liking stuff more often, uh, over time than I expected to. So I'll read something, I'll watch a show, I'll think this doesn't appeal to me, um, or I find it actively bad. And then later I reevaluate it in a bigger context, maybe, in a, uh, you know, over seasons of a show uh, or books. Um, my canonical example, which I've mentioned, I think, uh, on the at least an episode about the magicians is uh, Lev Grossman series. I hated that first book. That's an early episode we did. I talked about it. Jason and I accidentally offended Lev Grossman on Twitter. It was great. Um, it and was I, a good time. And I actually kind of like the book, but I, but yeah, it was, but you was I know you liked it. toward him. Yes. And it came, yeah, and it was all the, so, but I accidentally picked up the third book at a library. I saw it. And I thought, well, I don't know, maybe. And I started reading it totally, totally engrossed in the third book. It made me reevaluate. I went back and read the second. It made me completely re-understand what he was doing, at least in part with the first, and redeem all the stuff that I really hated about it. And I now am actually a big fan of the series with reservations about books one and two that, that I take into it. But I think as an arc, it's incredible. And I fell in love with the TV show and what they're doing with it as a result. So I think a show that... Let us talk about the things we rediscovered. Uh, we did kind of a inverse thing on this on uh, on the Foot podcast, the Mystery podcast, about when to stop reading certain series. We're like, okay, if you stop here, you will not hate it. Like, read up to book thirteen. If you read book fourteen, you may now no longer like the series. But I think the the notion of um, that I think listeners particularly like to know how people change over time, and I like the idea that we change, that our opinions change. So I think that reevaluations, reevaluations, okay, how we grow and change. Yeah, that's true. It's good. Uh, there are there are definitely things that I would uh, I would look back on. That's that's a very interesting. I will make a note of it, Lisa. 
who premiered in episode two, you get to go next. Mm-hmm. I would love to do an episode on William Gibson's Blue Ant books. That's the mm. loose trilogy that starts with pattern recognition, continues with Spook Country, and concludes with Zero History. And I think out of the three acknowledged, well, I'd say popularly acknowledged trilogies that he has, I think this one is perhaps the closest to our own time. And it would be really fascinating to uh, look at the way culture is transmitted and how technology builds and throws culture away and how you can spoof senses and facts and things like that and talk about them in the context of, of, well, now, here and now, really. So, um, yeah, I would, I would do a signed reading. I would cheerfully talk about it and, uh, I would love panelists on it. I, I think I have that in the spreadsheet and I love those books too. And I think it's funny. That's also an, an interesting example where William Gibson became famous for Neuromancer and that first trilogy. And then he went and he did the bridge trilogy. And I love the bridge trilogy. But, um, but it's not, you know, it's not widely beloved. I think you're, you're yeah. one of the special people who does love that. <laughs> but, um, that's such but a that, tactful way of putting it. But um, yeah. I thought it was okay. It's just like, you, you know, it's not that common for people to say, I love that trilogy, but like pattern recognition, people, um, I think missed that that might be his best book. So yeah. um, it's on my list. It's his most humane book. I think um, it has, a, and the way he depicts and writes, writes about grief in that book is um, perhaps like Gibson's style tends to be really at a remove anyway. It's, it's a, it's a great literary style. Um, and one of the reasons I enjoy him so much is precisely because his characters tend to be very fascinated by material culture and their feelings are these things that they kind of have off in the distance. Like it's a fuzzy FM radio station for them. And, um, pattern recognition is perhaps the closest he gets to actually providing rich interior lives for his characters. And it's about grief and loss and, um, it's the most human and humane of his novels. And that's why it kind of fascinates me that it kicks off the, the, the antagonist that I think is probably the most sinister he's ever written, which is, um, you know, Umbertus Bujon, as they, as like spelled big N pr- pronounced yeah. Bujon, but yeah. like that's the most terrifying character he's written. And you're considering this is a guy who also wrote like a oh, series yeah. of insane incestuous clones who lived in a moon satellite. Um, but. <laughs> But this marketing savant is horrifying, and, and he also, you know, gets kicked off in pattern recognition and then warps events for the next three books. Right. Anyway, it's huge and rich. I feel like Neuromancer at this point has almost like a the same feel as Serial Experiment Lane or The Ooh, Mate. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh, which, you just sold yeah. me on it. <laughs> Maybe I'll read it now. Yeah, where there's just this really, um, I would say he got a lot right about cyberspace, but what he completely missed was the aversion phenomena that took place. Like he just, he, he didn't, because it's not mobile, it's the idea of this separate and parallel world. And at this point, I'm like, ah, I don't think we're quite there, or I don't think we ever will be there because it's it, it doesn't benefit anybody. But I, I feel like the Blue Ant books are something where you're like, yeah, I can actually see this tracking out. And uh, I can map it to what's going on in the world. And I think that some of our best episodes are the ones that uh, tend to do that, where we can tie it back to why it works or doesn't work for us in the now, as opposed to, and in the future, people who are on computers will be called console jockeys, and they'll have implants in their brain, you know, so. I have a pair of jeans that I sanded off the Levi's logo from the buttons because I wanted to make perfect Case Pollard cosplay. Can you be on that Dude, episode? the nicest nice. thing, I had an... I had an ex-boyfriend track me down on Facebook and say, I just read Pattern Recognition, and one minute I read about the Case Pollard units and her brand aversion, you were the first person I thought of. And that was the, that was the highest compliment anyone has ever paid me, ever. 
I was like, I forgive you all the terrible things you've ever said about me because that's just delightful. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Premiering in uh, episode three. And that was the episode where we discussed what the entire all works of Stephen Moffat or something like that. I don't even know. Like, why not? Covered it. How um, many episodes yes. were we really going to do? Uh, John Syracuse, what do you have for me? So there was a podcast once upon a time called Unjustly Maligned. Uh, it was before, Aww. yeah, before Anthony got big. I've heard bad it, things about that. Yeah, yeah well, the host got the all famous that got small, and stuff. Really. And, yeah, it's it's an unjustly maligned show, though. Yeah, and I I was trying to think of uh, a topic to go on that show. Uh, the idea is that some, something that most people don't like, but you think is actually good. My problem is uh, everything that is maligned, I can see the justice in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is the most John Syracuse yeah. sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> Very easy for me to see. Oh, yeah, I, I know why people complain about it, because these things are bad. Uh, and yet, as I listen to the show, I realize sometimes people would go on and just talk about a thing they want to talk about, uh, which leads me to my topic for future incomparable, even though I think this uh, this is a movie. It is somewhat unjustly maligned by some people. I don't think it's widely hated, and yet I think I like it more than most people, which is the line Mac that, and me. Unjustly, <laughs> no, that I think unjustly maligned walked. So if that show ever does come back into being, I will take this topic there. But if not, I think it could totally be an episode of The Incomparable, and that is the movie Willow from some year that I didn't bother to write oh. down in my notes. High five. You know, er- Erica got me to uh, to watch uh, Labyrinth, so you never know. Anything is possible. Uh, if I, I don't think a Labyrinth is maligned in any way. Uh, but Willow, I have heard complaints about, but I have fond memories of it, and I, I bought, bought the Blu-ray when it was extremely cheap, and I showed it to my kids, and I said, you know what? My childhood memories of this are not wrong. This is a delightful movie, and I would love to do an episode about it. Oh, Val Kilmer is delightful yes. in it. That's mm. right. You can say to the movie, you really are great. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. She kicked me in the face. Did you see that? He took our black root. That's uh, just when he's talking to the baby. Oh, my God. I've never seen Willow, but again. Oh, Jason. Oh, Jason, there's not playing. <laughs> Production right values there. are higher than, than Labyrinth mm-hmm. slightly. But I don't think I saw it until I was in my 30s. There should be a podcast where people who haven't seen a movie for a very long time... Then they watch like, it hey. and talk about <laughs> That's it. That's a good idea, Jason. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. we'll uh, look into that. In episode nine, I wanted to talk about scary things, and I don't watch scary movies, but there was somebody scary I knew, and that was Steve Lutz. So he was on that episode. <laughs> Hi, Steve. <laughs> What's your choice? Are we at episode nine already? We are. Oh, this <laughs> has gone by so fast. Yeah, no, actually, I think I suggested that you should do a horror movie episode, and you said nobody wants to do a horror movie episode. You I said, still right, remember fine, that episode. That was nine. <laughs> that was episode nine. Episode nine. I still remember it as uh, uh, an episode. There was never one like that ever again. A late <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the movie music episode. There was never an episode like that again. So what are we doing? Future topics? Yeah, future topics. This is, this is a, we generate content for you. Assign me a topic for the next hundred right. episodes. Well, this is a... A geek-based podcast, and for that reason, I think it's borderline shameful that we have never done a Monty Python episode. Yes! Mm. Is that true? Haven't we, Steve? I get the impression that that's because maybe Jason isn't the biggest Python fan Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think, I think, I have a theory that if you looked at the topics or the first 400 episodes of The Incomparable, you'd get a pretty good sense of the stuff that I like and the stuff where I have huge gaps in my knowledge yeah. and we haven't done episodes about those. I need more episodes before I can form mm-hmm. a complete picture here. It's like Kremlinology, except with Snell. Snellology. <laughs> but Jason, what if, what if I tell you this? What if it were a draft 
<gasps> of the sketches? The way to a man's heart is through his draft. Or the characters. How do we do Monty it? Python the lines? The I jokes? think we draft Monty Python sketches. And oh. because some people haven't watched a whole lot of Flying Circus, and because the movies are basically sketches yes. strung together, you can also pick scenes from the movies. So I could just oh, say, I'm choice. picking I Fart in Your General Direction. That's right. Oh, yes. That's okay. absolutely reasonable. I'm intrigued by your ideas. Well, I don't know. You, you would have to make those decisions. Or he's not the Messiah. He's been a very naughty boy. It's just a scratch. <laughs> not now. Not now. This We're not is doing getting it now. too silly. <laughs> yeah, I think that needs to be done. All right. Uh, and I think that just about everybody, even the ones who aren't big Python fans, have seen at least one sketch or two sketches mm-hmm. that they enjoy. And they would like to take off of the, 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 the draft board. The draft board, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that would work out well. Uh, and I also think we should do beer episode two, beer episode three, beer episode four, and no doubling up, no doubling up. It's off. So I'm playing off. Your 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 request for more beer episodes has already been lodged with the the okay, home good. office. We'll, we'll. Good. Monty uh, yeah. didn't appear until episode forty eight because he was what? recapping Game of Thrones at that point, and we wanted to do an episode about Game of Thrones. And and once the door was open, Monty uh, walked right in and was like, "Hey, Monty, I've known him for a long time. Why hasn't he been on before?" So Monty. I apologize for waiting until episode 48, but uh, I'm glad you're here. What, 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 what should we do next? The format of this draft plays against my strengths because I like to try to come up with something that only barely fits in the category. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. <laughs> the, first, the first two categories are... The, like the definition of category one is pick something plausible. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, but the, anyway, but, but no spoilers, but category two is pick something implausible. So, right. <laughs> There's room to nibble around the fringes in that category, I think. Oh, yeah. Gross. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say old timey comic strips. Oh, wow. Like a, a real old so well, like Nancy? For that. So very old. I want to squabble about Peanuts versus Pogo versus Lil Abner. Gasoline um, Alley, absolutely. I have the first two years of Gasoline Alley, and it's an amazing comic strip. Uh, just about guys standing around arguing about cars. How about the Yellow Kid and the Cats and Jammer Kids? So it's basically the podcast of early comic strips. There's a week of Mickey Mouse comic strips where Mickey tries to commit suicide every single day. And I want to talk to people about that because it's crazy. <laughs> I want to talk to people about the first year of Beetle Bailey, which was before Beetle went into the army and it was a college strip. I read those. He was, he was Lois's cousin from High and Lois. Mm. Yeah, he goes home for furlough occasionally. Somebody mm-hmm. mentions a topic and you can tell immediately who else would be on that episode. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and also, Crazy Cat is a weird strip. Oh, yeah, God. Man. You guys yes. want to talk about yeah, Crazy man. Cat? For oh, a while. my God. We'll just wait. On which one uses Ignat's mouse? All right. Um, thank you, Monty. Old timey comic strips. Uh, episode one hundred and thirty three. Of course, the radio theater uh, special episode, which was uh, when was that? Like five years. It ago? It was five years ago. Wow. Oh my god, David. Yeah. What? What? Uh, assign me something for the next hundred episodes. Uh, well, you know, I, I I have to say, like the uh, previous episode is something I suggested five yeah. years. Yeah, ago. the prisoner episode that we just did was was uh, again it was in the list for five years and then it popped right out and I promptly got on it and we did that episode. Yeah, <laughs> and, and of course there's another one that's coming up that's been on the decks for five years. So you know I'm kind of looking forward to you know five years from now seeing something. Uh, I don't know, but I did come up with a draft. I came up with a draft All right. for you because I know you love drafts. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in, lean, I lean forward in my chair. I'm yes, listening. Yes. I like what you've done here. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a world draft. Build your own solar system with famous fictional worlds. Mm. Right? So, you know, Pern, Middle Earth, 
Uh, anything from Star Trek. God, there's so many worlds. For non-podcast listeners, the number one thing when, when the concept of drafts comes out is, is uh, once you draft a bunch of things, what do you do with them? And I say, mm, basically nothing. <laughs> Except there was that one, one time when we had one everybody time. pitch a TV show, but that otherwise that it's it's just to have them. We we create an entire sport around them, and then we play that sport yeah. for decades. I thought we were making a Saturday Night Live cast that one time. Yeah, that's yes. true. That was good. Yes. Right, we had a concept for that one. Uh, and then appearing in episode 160, hey, it was about the Matrix. She saw it like 10 times in the theater, so it was a perfect fit. Erica, you get to finish this round and assign me a topic. All right. Well, um... One of my favorite things to do on The Incomparable are old movie club episodes. And I realize you don't get to pick the, the films that are on there. but I, So I'm going to just strongly suggest. Yeah. I, consult, I consult with <laughs> Phil about the subject matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I would love to do an old movie club episode that covers Midnight from 1939 starring Claudette Colbert and Don Amici. It Ooh. is not only my favorite classic film, but one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a screwball comedy written by Charles Brackett and Billy Wilder, but it's pretty light on the screwball, which is why I love it. Um, but mm. it's still, I, I think it's still very heavy on the comedy. Um, and and as you might have picked up from the title, it's a little bit of a Cinderella tale in which uh, Claudette Colbert is she's like a, a broke dame traveling in Paris and she befriends a cabbie who's played by Don Amici. But then she runs off and she sneaks into a fancy party and pretends to be a baroness. And then John Barrymore, of all people, shows up to sort of be her fairy godfather and help help keep up the scheme. And meanwhile, Don Amici is, of course, he's fallen in love with her. He's scouring the city trying to find her and just, you know, hijinks ensue and it's delightful. And I won't say anything too spoilery about what happens, but I cannot recommend it highly enough if you like wish fulfillment fairy tale style like fun. Um, and and I know that old movie club uh, episodes generally have at least two movies, but I would not want to choose what to pair it with. I would rather leave that to Phil and ah. have him pick something that he thinks is a good match um, and hope that it's something that I've never... I, I would like it to be something I'd never seen before so that I could, you know, experience something new. To me, that would be perfect. This may actually be your lucky week because we just finished watching It's a Wonderful World with Jimmy Stewart and Claudette Colbert, and it's a screwball comedy set in the 1930s. I've never seen it. Yep. There we go. They're both Claudette. It's a Claudette Colbert double feature. We just finished it. And she's a, she's a rogue poetess on the run with a private eye who's been been framed for murder. Who isn't these days? Does that mean she doesn't have her poetic license? Get out. I'm waving to the audience. Underappreciated Joe. So that wraps up round number one. And if you're asking Jason, why aren't you picking? The answer is I get to pick every time. I pick all the episodes. So I'm not going to pick an episode for there. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Just For Men, the number one beard experts. Soften up, smooth out, and beard on. 25 years of men's facial hair expertise goes into Just For Men. That means they know beards. They've got a full line of supremely fine products to prove it. Face and beard wash, beard conditioner, beard oil, and beard balm. The face and beard wash helps prevent beard itch, unclogs pores, calms and moisturizes, and deep conditions. Meanwhile, the beard oil is light and non-greasy, smooths and softens without clogging pores. Beard conditioner, deep conditions 
lotions while calming and moisturizing skin underneath. And the Beard Balm offers superior hydration, fights itch and dry flaky skin, and helps prevent ingrown hairs, all using soothing oatmeal, aloe, chamomile, and jojoba oil. So kiss that average beard goodbye and usher in your softest, smoothest, bestest beard and skin underneath. This goes out to my beardy friends, Mike. And uh, let's say Marco, but not Scott, because Scott McNulty shaved his beard. Shocking. Anyway, if you still have a beard, put your best beard forward. Visit jfmbestbeard.com, and you can use the promo code BESTBEARD25 to get 25% off your purchase. Thanks for sponsoring The Incomparable. But we'll move on to a topic, as I suggested earlier, a topic you know we're just never going to do because I'm a terrible person that you wish you could convince me to do an episode about. And for this, we're going to go in the order from most appearances to least appearances. So Dan gets to go first. That's a real switch up from last time. I know. Uh, (laughs) Unlike last time, Dan will go first. I I, I know what's expected of me here, and and I want to buck the expectations but I can't. So <laughs> clearly, I'm going go. to pick Supernatural. Okay, I have oh to. I'm God, on the right. Never heard of it. It's like joking about it. It's been on for like 12 years. I have watched the first nine episodes, <laughs> so which are really just totally indicative of where it goes for the next 13 seasons. It is amazingly enough. I was I, I looking it up as I thought about this. Is amazingly enough not the longest running. Even I mean, even current running u.s scripted show it's outpaced by uh ncis and svu and i was gonna guess ncis <laughs> gray's anatomy gray's anatomy has been running longer than supernatural uh so i mean it is it's probably the longest running like quote unquote nerdy show yeah, genre show like. yeah i think so yeah genre show yeah it's definitely out there and it's it's certainly you know over the course of 13 seasons it's definitely not been all good but it's had a lot of really good, really clever episodes. Uh, I really enjoy it, and they've built up a pretty, pretty huge world. I know we will never do it on the main show, but <laughs> I felt like I had to throw my hat in the ring on that one because at least I've been watching it for a long time now. And if what, why am I watching it if not to do a podcast about it eventually? You got to get something out of that. Come on. Mm-hmm. Have you been taking notes the whole time? Yes, I have a ton of notes. Let me tell you, Monty. Pro tip for people trying to put together a geek show, pretend that it's about pretty, pretty men, and then other people will come and watch it, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the last 400 seasons. Kind of worked. That's, yep. that's why I had to add you in in episode nine, Steve. Why? For pretty, pretty men. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's really accurate. raised the bar for the rest of us. So um, fair enough. Yep. So uh, okay, Supernatural. It's, it seems fine. I just when am I going to watch twelve seasons of Supernatural? I, you know, that's we, the problem. We did the longer an episode gets... on Supernatural. It's even called Supernatural. Yeah, it's true. It's not. Wait a second. Yeah. Oh, it's on it's okay. just, that's it's just not, a I'm setup sorry. because it's all it's all a twist that we didn't actually talk about Supernatural. Dan, you know what? Maybe you're just going to have to do a limited run uh, Supernatural University one summer with people who are not me. <laughs> it's like Supernatural. Like get your PhD in the third. Years work. Yeah, really. <laughs> at this point, it's true. So uh, then it's uh, John Syracuse's turn. John, something that you really want to do, but you know, I'm never, ne- I'm just never going to get to it. So my relationship with this topic is not as long as Dan's relationship with Supernatural, but it's a similar <laughs> thing in that I don't think you can do a podcast about this without a bunch of other people who've sunk a lot of time into this topic, and that would be the video game Destiny which I spent many years of my life playing. Now I'm, I'm playing the sequel. And it's really difficult to talk about Destiny on a podcast 
with someone who has just played the game briefly because it's one of those games like World of Warcraft or other sort of MMO type things where it's more of a lifestyle eventually <laughs> than, oh, than a video game. So it's it's hard enough to get people to watch uh, a single season of a TV series, let alone you know play a game uh you know daily or weekly for multiple years uh, i think that's what it would take to really talk about destiny but it was uh, you know it was and is a big thing in my life and i would love to do the incomparable about it but alas i don't think it will ever happen john i played a lot of destiny not as you much did, destiny but you're not as playing you did, it now are you and plus I, that's just that's two people I, i'm not i'm not that's true yeah this is the you you have i will say you have dragged me out into all sorts of different topic areas that i would not have anticipated um including the anime stuff but uh and and the video game stuff where i i have played the a lot of must be drawn here is what you're trying a to lot say of, anyone well, want to do line reading uh yeah that's 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 basically it that that even though i did read <laughs> the entire dark tower over the course of a very oh, but long that time was, but but you you are <laughs> glad that you did that but i was, was glad that series. i yeah yeah but the, you're you're right with this one because it's just it's it's one of the reasons we pick topics or don't pick topics on this show is about the time investment in uh in if people haven't already consumed that media they have to do that and they have to do that work uh, that homework and destiny is an example where if we had a group of people who had all played it for so long that they could talk about it it would be fine um and i would just excuse myself but i'm never going to put in the time and it would be a challenge yeah, and, to and find you can't now that's the thing you can and, you have to go back in time yeah because, right. like it's it's a thing that happens as a group as a community like you have to be there for year one year two and year three of destiny year one years one two and three of destiny are never going to happen again you can't start playing now so it's so it's never going to happen all right well then that was a great pick because we're never going to do that <laughs> <laughs> i like this round where well, jason is, just tells people jason, jason, people jason down. delights no, in crushing that means you win is like if you if, if if i if you pick something in this round and i go oh, i don't know we might do that that's like i don't know did you lose did you just lose by picking something that i might actually i might actually choose uh david what's uh something you would love us to do that you just know we're never going to do well, you know, I've been thinking about this one for a long time, ever since you mentioned the topics. Thinking, you know, an incomparable panelist draft. No, that's, you know. That's cruel. Um, yeah, that is yeah. cruel. <laughs> uh, a, a superhero spectacular two. I mean, it would use up a lot of episodes, oh, so, so we'd cruel. all go mad. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody wants concern. that. Yeah, nobody wants that. But it, it was only today, looking at my bookshelves, that I thought, I would, I would like to do an episode about decent Star Trek novels. Because there are actually, you know, five or six in the hundreds they've put out. Um, and I know that's never going to happen. Hmm. But there are a couple of good ones. Yeah, I, I have yeah. I read a lot of Star Trek novels, some of which oh, yeah. might have been decent. I it's it's probably true. <laughs> Scott, Scott McNulty is here, is not here, but he's probably somewhere going, or, oh, or yes, is he? yes. Mm. Or is he? Scott, say something. Nope, he's not going to do it. Nope. He's just not going to do it. Nope. All right, decent Star Trek novels. Interesting. That that's that is almost that's not impossible. All, it's not impossible. It's just highly right? improbable. Steve, <laughs> what uh, what do you have? Oh, topics that we will never do. Um, well, this is a topic we'll never do because not only is it horror related, it's also video game related, and it also requires time travel to do properly. I would love to do an episode on silent hill more specifically if i had to pick a game it would probably be silent hill 2 because that's the one that's probably the most interesting narratively uh but in order to play it properly you have to have a ps2 and you would have to have i mean because the 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 remake that they did was just a travesty they just completely destroyed uh everything that made the game good and uh so unfortunately it would, it would have to be played on the original machinery which 
you know, not that many people have. But it, it playing a Silent Hill game is a uniquely unpleasant experience that I think is... <laughs> I think is is there's nothing quite like it in media. The experience of traveling through a grotesque land that is populated by creatures that don't really make a lot of sense, but they're definitely gross, and just the overwhelming dread of the situation that you're in uh, is just a, it's a wonderful experience. And I think it would be fun to talk about with uh, with some of you folks, but you guys aren't into that kind of stuff, so I don't think it's ever going to happen. But it I've sure got a PS2 neat. and I'm ready to play. <laughs> I feel like Syracuse would be the only one. Have you played Silent Hill? Any no, Silent I'm very Hill? familiar with the, the games, but I've never I played f- any of them. Yeah. I played a couple hours of the first one. Uh first one's great. The first couple hours were pretty boring. Yeah, it gets <laughs> uh it 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 gets better. Well, you got to hurry up before I don't have a TV that I can connect my PS2 up to. I, I, right now I do have one. It does have a component input and I have the adapter, but pretty soon I'm not going to have anything to connect my PS2. Oh man. Well, you know, obviously we we have a couple of panelists that would potentially be game for it, but I think it would be fairly limited. And I don't think it would ever probably happen. Yeah, but. I love that. That's so then listeners, if you'd like to play this game, <laughs> go to eBay and find a PS2, buy the <laughs> Most adapters. People have played it. It's a very it's not an obscure game, yeah, so it'd no, be not easy, at all. it'd be easy to find panelists who have played the game. I'm just not that much into horror games. I, mean, I played Resident Evil and stuff, but Yeah, but if I'm Resident a listener Evil's. and I'm thinking, "Oh, that's intriguing. Now I want to see what they're talking about." The answer is again, get a time machine. Well, <laughs> you can just buy a PS2. They sell them real cheap. You get a slim PS2. You can still buy one. Yeah, I mean, if you really badly wanted to, to check it out, you could certainly do that. Or you could pick up the remaster, which is, if you've if you already heard the uh, you know the discussion on the game, might be might be good enough. But I mean, the problem with that one is they screwed up the the fog algorithm, which is like ninety percent of the game. The fact that you can't see what's coming at you out of the fog, and uh, it's just not the same. Not even close. Hmm. So, but it would be a fun episode, I think. I would like to discuss it with you cats, especially those of you who aren't necessarily horror people. But it, it's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah, that's. I think you got the uh, premise of this round. Very well done. Good, Monty. What something that you wish we would do that you know we never will. Four hundred episodes to figure out <laughs> premises. <Yep. laughs> Congratulations. Um, all right. It's hard to guess what we won't do. Uh, you let me do two episodes of incomprehensible Victorian parlor games on the game show feed, and I only barely understood what I was doing myself. <laughs> so, P.G. Woodhouse. Yes. But not Jeeves oh. and Wooster. Oh, good God. The <laughs> other things that Woodhouse wrote. The Blandings Castle, the Mr. Mulliner, the golf books, the Smith with a silent P. The school stories right at the very beginning of his career where everybody fe- everything feels like Hogwarts because that's the only school story anybody's read. That's where my action is. <laughs> hot hot Water, the one that revolves around a Mickey Mouse doll. Yeah. I yeah. read that one. That tries to commit suicide. Pretty good. See, it w- that was a pretty straight up uh, <laughs> topic there, Monty, until you threw in but not Jeeves and Wooster. And then everybody went, what? <laughs> oh. Uncle Fred is great. Blanding's Castle is I great. I read a bunch of the non-Jeeves and Wooster. There's only so many pig stories I can read by him, so. <laughs> I feel like there's a good chance you could get three or four of these knuckleheads to join you on a Woodhouse episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I tried to distance myself. Our friend Andy Anatko has read, I think, all of the Peachy Woodhouse over too. So there's, mm-hmm. yeah. I, my grandfather was in a Norma's PG Woodhouse fan, and I inherited most of his collection and have read oh. a bunch of it. So oh, it's I very know. hard to know if you've read all of them because man, do they start true. to blur together. Yeah, and they regroup them in yes. like in bunch of different collections. So I, I swear to God, I have the same story in like four different collections. But I've read none of it, which is which is where your your angle about it never happening comes in is that I would need to read like <laughs> a lot of it or just recuse myself. P.G. Woodhouse, but not Jason Wooster. Fascinating. That's right. From Monty. Uh, Erica, what uh, what do you have? 
Um, I, I thought about saying hockey, but I just decided to start an entire podcast on the network about yeah. that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so part of the one. trick here is convincing me yep. either to host mm-hmm. it or to be like, that's never going to happen, but I like it enough to just not host that episode. Those are your two ways in to the subject matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so instead, I decided to stay on brand, uh, the other brand of mine. Uh, uh-huh. And that is, I, I know we've done a number of episodes about Doctor Who on The Incomparable. Uh, but the only times that we ever drill down and talk about specific Doctor Who stories is on the TV podcast right. during the run of a new series. And I think that that is a perfectly reasonable guideline. And that is why I know that we will never do an episode about my very, very favorite Doctor Who story, the beloved by me, but underrated by many, season 16 opener, the Rebus Operation. The Rebus Operation. (laughs) Even Even I know that. (laughs) Uh But but yes, beloved by you and uh, maligned, underrated by maybe somebody. We might find somebody who thinks it's underrated. Yeah, many, many. Uh, And I I know Mm. I did actually get a chance to mention uh, that story on episode 391 when we did the Doctor Who story draft. But but it is such a masterful story full of great moments. I would love to talk about it for on the main show. For a whole episode. For a whole episode. About possibly one episode with a of bunch the... of people who don't watch classic Doctor Who now that, uh, all the time, mm, like I do. Now that's kind of intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. I lost. I, I would sign up for that. <laughs> I haven't seen any classic Doctor Who, but I've heard Erica talk about this one episode a thousand times. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like I could quote it. If I'm point. allowed to not like it, I might participate. <laughs> Wait till you get a load of Binro the Heretic, folks. Mm. <laughs> You might, uh, yep. you might be okay. Well, yeah, Erica, Erica you, when your Erica, you when your birthday me. rolls around, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so, but probably you not. Know, it's amazing no one's been sniped yet. Even if I lose the draft by picking something that doesn't really fit in this category, I might win by actually getting to talk about it. If you lose, to lose is to win, and he who wins shall lose. That's from not a. It's a totally Ooh. different Doctor Who episode. What? Um, <laughs> but still. Glenn. Acknowledged. Uh, okay, I know what you all think I'm going to say. <laughs> if you did, you wouldn't be smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should do an episode on German Expressionist films. It's okay, or the work of Bernard Herzog. Um, I have been pitching I think we for... should do a whole podcast on German Expressionist <laughs> films. That's, I'll, I'm sure it'll be fun. In German. It'll be a silent podcast. In German. Uh, exactly, the silent German podcast. Subtitles. Silent movie podcast. That's silent. Um, I want to do a magic spell draft tournament. I've pitched this over the years and i think it's just too difficult to pull off and the idea is that i get expelliarmus magic it might be more like a tournament and so you'd get magic spells from all the different universes that would uh, combine you'd have to have a referee there'd be some kind of outcome it's not exactly a game show thing i think it's would be a fun way to talk about the way in which magic works across all these different universes in which magic exists sometimes in really irritating and inexplicable ways but i think it's probably way too complicated to get something worthwhile out of, and I think it's also been turned down a bunch of times. But I, I think I you like should call it. that episode Crucio. Spectacular. I um, that is on the list somewhere actually because I'm intrigued by it, Glenn. But it really is very much like how would we do that where it exactly. would make sense and that anybody would listen or participate. You got to do it like the PG Woodhouse. No Harry Potter. <laughs> That's right. No Harry. We call well, it you know that at least Glenn is not showing up. Yeah, yeah no, so that's I wouldn't true. be there for it. <laughs> Glenn would then not be available. <laughs> so, so we could do whatever we wanted. I would suddenly appear in the middle yeah, with okay. a uh, long statement about why this episode wasn't working. What's the what's the what's that uh, D spell that's like uh somebody's Big B's floating hand. That's it. The Tensor's floating disc. Tensor's yeah. floating disc. Big B's floating hand. Yeah, there's a lot of good spells out there. Lisa, the uh, Tensor's floating disc is off the board, but uh, all the other magic spells are available for you to... No. 
but th- you can pick a, a topic that you are pretty sure we're probably never going to do. My topic, which I suspect we will probably never do either because I won't be able to find the panelists or because literally nobody will listen to it, is 1980s feminist sci-fi dystopias. Oh, and- I'm so Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm there. <laughs> Damn it, you've undermined my premise. <laughs> no, nice job, uh, men. <laughs> no, I want to do a comparative read of uh, Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, Sherry S. Tepper's um, two books, The Gate to Women's Country and Grass, and the Native Tr- Tongue Trilogy by Suzette Hayden Elgin, all of which uh, take a look at different types of worlds in which the subjugation of women is the uh foundational premise of the society working successfully and to talk about what these women managed to get right when they were trend casting into the future and uh where they may have gone off the rails so that's that's kind of my dream topic and again i think the reason uh it would be tough to do is i would be asking people to read like seven books and that's a really big commitment for time, even before we begin talking about it. I was going to say, I think that you could you could definitely do this as an episode, uh, but you would probably need to pick like three books three, to assign. Yeah. But yeah. that that's doable. That that would yeah. be doable. Although that's, to be honest, um, I, I would I would almost consider dropping headmaid still at this point because I feel like then I'd be on. <laughs> Well, uh-huh. well, the thing is, is the TV series. I just can't do that to myself again. I was going to say, I feel like the TV series, since the TV series is out, um, I think we'd probably bring in stuff into the discussion that has come about because of the world that the TV series is building and so on and so forth. And really, I'm just dying for an excuse to talk about Sherry Tepper at some point because uh, she was this amazing ecofeminist sci fi author. We've never talked about her. I don't feel like she got her due while she was alive. And I, I'm seeing her stuff disappear. So I want, I want to bring it back and talk about it some. All right. There might be something in there. In which case, again, Lisa will both lose and win. <laughs> this special episode of The Incomparable has a special sponsor. It is the World Science Fiction Convention. You know, we read the uh, Hugo nominees every year. Well, Worldcon is returning to San Jose, California. Writers, readers, and fans from around the globe are going to be converging on the Bay Area in August to mingle, read, write, play, and geek out, as well as celebrate those Hugo Awards. All together at the 76th World Science Fiction Convention, programming for Worldcon is still in the works. If you have ideas for readings, lectures, panels, musicians, anything, share them with the con at Worldcon. 76.org and have you registered for worldcon yet register now worldcon76.org you'll join more than 2500 attending members in san jose from august 16 to the 20th and i think you get to vote for the hugo winners as well i'll be voting we'll be there a lot of incomparable people will be there you can meet us in person get the latest from worldcon 76 on twitter at worldcon 2018 and on facebook at worldcon 76 that's worldcon 76.org all right we're going to move on to the third round of this uh, ridiculous episode 400 draft and this is, this round is all about a it's conceptual it's Something that you wish existed in the world, a work that we would talk about on here, but that was never made, sort of the the one that got away, something that just didn't didn't get made, but you wish it did. So again, we're oh, like Caddyshack too, shifting gears. <laughs> and uh, for this, I'm going to go in the order provided by Random.org. Oh, Random.org. That's right. Random.org. Random. We bring the random to you. 
Ooh, and oddly weird. in alphabetical order. Who knew? That's their theme song. And that mm-hmm. means David Lore, the most random of us all, will go first. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I'm torn between two things, one of which I want to make and one of which I want to see. The thing I want to see is a film or a television series based on the adventures of Cavalier and Clay. I think that's such a rich world, and it's a world we haven't really seen a lot of, that uh, I, I would love to see that. Um, it's already been on stage. There's been a stage adaptation that does the entire book, but they still can't get it together to do a, a film or a TV version. Um, the thing I want to make is a series based on the novels of Craig Rice, who was a mystery novelist in the 40s. She was uh, she was a she, for one thing, despite her name being Craig. And uh, she was a contemporary of Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler, except she wrote what she called detective farce. Her books are like the, the good Thin Man movies, but funnier and screwballier. And uh, everybody drinks. And by the end of the novel, the heroes are all drunk, but they solve the case anyway. Uh, they're just screamingly funny books. She was the first mystery novelist on the cover of Time magazine. And she's someone who's sort of just vanished into thin air. It's like when you go to mystery conventions, there are a couple of people who know the name and you trade the books in, in uh, back alleys and, you know. Uh, but once every, everyone I've given one of these books to, they fall in love because they're just fun. Uh, so I would love to make a series based on that. Uh, media, hit me up. I'm here. All right. I got nothing else thanks, to do. Thanks for the pitch. I would like to live in a world where people only picked one thing during their turns. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> crazy, I know. I would like to live in a world where books are traded in back alleys. Yeah. <laughs> This this was my Glenn topic. Monty, randomly, you're yeah. second. Oh, no. Uh, well, <laughs> this is <Random>. something... <laughs> this is something I was promised would exist, but it was not meant to be. You are, of course, familiar with a movie called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Oh, yes. We are, yes. Only a matter of time before Monty mentioned that in this mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> that is the Buckaroo Banzai movie that got made, although I still think of it as the first Buckaroo Banzai movie. It ends with a title screen saying, watch for the next adventure of Buckaroo Banzai, Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League. And then there's the best end credits music ever recorded, but that's not strictly relevant right now. Mm-hmm. My point is this. I was explicitly promised Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League. And <laughs> I, I know. Want not yeah. a fan script. I want an actual movie with all the same actors as young as they were when they made the first movie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm. No, I think you kicked. You you got this premise exactly right, which is that's Thanks. a thing that really that that it's too late now. It's never going to exist unless computer technology can just uh, do that magically, or parallel dimensions are discovered where that movie existed. But um, but yeah, okay, Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League. We were promised it. It was never delivered. Lisa, you are randomly next. I want to see the entire run of the Sandman turned into an HBO series. <laughs> mm. Man, right. that could happen, but probably won't. They've tr- it probably they've tried won't. so many times and failed. <laughs> yep, I yeah. know, I know. It's amazing, and it's one of the few. Uh, it's one of the few comic series that I think would just translate really well to mm-hmm. your prestige HBO format. And you know you'd have actors lining up around the block to chew on the scenery and wear goth makeup and all of that. And unlike Game of Thrones. It's already ended. We know that it has a finite beginning and end. And there's lots of chewy female roles. And there's lots of chewy male roles and lots of chewy ambisexual roles. And who knows? Um, anyway, it's huge. It's epic. It's amazing. And for whatever reason, it just can't get made. 
and I don't think it ever will. Dan, you were randomly next. Hello. Um, yeah, I don't know. Dandom.org. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. That's my Supernatural <laughs> season 20. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, the uh, the somebody joking about. I think it was John muttered under his breath at the beginning of this round. Uh, you know, Star Wars prequels, and that was my initial thought. Was like, yeah, would have been great if they'd done these stories that were like actually the stories that we kind of thought we were going to hear. But I will go a slightly different direction and say, um, I would have loved among you know my favorite books growing up were the very one of the first sort of new Star Wars series, the Timothy Zahn Thrawn trilogy. Um, which came out in the early 90s, I want to say. Um, and I wish that those had been... I mean, I love episode 7. I enjoyed episode 8. <laughs> Not canon. But, but and it, yes, the canon has all been thrown out now, so it will never happen. And That's you can, right. again, never get those those actors in, in those particular roles, obviously. Uh, but I love those stories, and I would have loved to have seen those as the 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 follow up film versions or TV series mm. after Episode Six. Uh, I think it just would have been fantastic. I, I really I'm glad that that Thrawn at least has uh, made his jump to the canon universe because I love that character. But it's an entirely different story now. So I wish a film or TV adaptation of the Thrawn trilogy existed, but I do not think it ever will. I think and I hope this isn't what John's going to pick, but I, I I think you can make a really strong argument that for what would have happened if five to eight years after Return of the Jedi, everybody had decided to come back and and make Episode Seven, Eight, Nine, right, 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 right then yeah. instead of waiting longer and remastering old movies and then doing the prequels. Um, what wouldn't that have been fun? Is it once again <laughs> sneaking in two picks where one would have sufficed? Yeah, Just, mm, that's, that's what we're wow. doing now. And you know who gets Eat the chance to do that next? You, Steve, because you uh, randomly oh, random.org selected <laughs> Steve. We bring random too. Can we do an episode Ooh. devoted to random.org? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Uh, you say fandom.org? I, I had some difficulty with this category. I think there are enough works in the world, and I think we should take some away <laughs> oh, rather than. This is when you can like get eight or nine entries in under the guise of and this should go and this should go <laughs> that is some of our livelihood there my friend <laughs> down with works is what i say yes uh but then i was i was looking through my dvd collection and i realized that there is one work i ex- i wish existed in the world but was never made and that is a satisfying ending to the series Lost. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. I've got all these damn DVDs sitting there. I bought all of them, and I cannot watch them because I know at the end it's just going to be that ending. It's going to be rushed. It's going to be clear from the outset of that season that they had no clue what they were doing, even though they claimed over and over again it was all planned out. And there's only so many times I can say, you know, I actually kind of sort of liked it before it starts to feel real hollow. Mm. So <laughs> I'd love to go back and watch Lost, uh, but I can't because they didn't they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Steve, I will say this. I still I still rank Lost in my top 10, maybe my top five shows of all time. And we were, we're going to do a Lost episode sometime. Well, that's what's depressing about in it. In the next it hundred episodes. It was so freaking good it that was. it still sits in, in one of, as, as one of my favorites. And I, I guess this is probably sort of like last seasons of, say, like Buffy, which people always complain about. I have no idea. Or Battlestar Galactica. Or, yeah, right. or Battlestar, <laughs> things like that. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, this is one of those that I actually had firsthand experience with. And, uh, and while I don't hate it as much as some, 
it really makes it hard to go back and and watch it and and because I, I want it, what I would really love to do is go back and watch like uh, the season one episodes, maybe not so much the season two, um, yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 pick out little things like oh look there they're they're telegraphing this random thing that uh, that ends up being completely important when it comes down to season six. And I can't because they just completely made it up as they went along. Yeah. And it makes me sad. It's fiction. <laughs> they make it all up as they go along, but they they uh, maybe could have had a little Sometimes tighter plan. There's a thing called an outline. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they make it all up. Well, that's they for don't make suckers. it all up as they go along. Outlines are for suckers. I enjoyed the journey of Lost, even though the ending was not the greatest. I am I also don't hate the last season or the ending. Um, I would watch a whole series of uh, Sawyer and Miles uh, LA uh, police cops. cops. I, yes. would, I would totally watch that. That would be great. But um, but yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Satisfying Someday I will ending. watch it again, probably after I get hit in the head and I've forgotten about it. <laughs> or I'll just assign it to you for an episode and then we'll all right i'll do it all right we'll do it all right glenn you are randomly selected next okay so this is a little bit of a pitch it's gonna be very short though i promise okay so imagine a world (laughs) imagine a world all right small hairy people on a jungle planet they need to overthrow an evil empire with the help of space wizards and people of like peculiar different races from different planets. And here's what it's called. It's called ring world by J.R.R. Tolkien. So bear with me just for a moment. This is the book that Tolkien never wrote when he had the competition with C.S. Lewis. They were both going to write sci-fi novels. C.S. Lewis wrote uh, the Paralandra series, which is really strange, and I kind of like, mm-hmm. but it gets weirder and wronger as it goes, much faster than the Narnia series. But I really wish that Tolkien had written it, because I'm so curious how he would have made his Ewoks on Ringworld. Well, it, so. it was eventually written. It was called The Ewok Adventure. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I like the third C.S. Lewis book better than the the other two in the series what you're yeah. out of your mind wow. it's it's a better Clinically it's a better insane. dystopian story than 1984 <laughs> the wizard coming out of a hi- oh, all right <laughs> all right it's myth erica you were uh you were selected randomly next okay um i wish that the world had a sequel to labyrinth that was <laughs> that was made while david bowie was still alive you know one that was made like a number of years later when jennifer Connolly was grown up enough that a love story between sarah and jareth would not be as creepy uh i would have loved to have seen her have to i don't know, go back to the labyrinth maybe ask jareth for help with something in the real world then of course you know she could fall in love with him because we already know, all know that he's already in love with her uh and then yeah they'd end up splitting their time together between the real world and the labyrinth and she'd work really hard on cleaning out the bog of eternal stench because that place is just gross. Well, and would they, they would need to get the Muppets to come back, too. Would the Muppets <laughs> have, have visibly aged in the intervening years? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, they have. Hoggle does not look good. Hoggle, Hoggle did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. Mm. Uh, yeah, so not too yeah. many years later, but... No, you got it. That's yeah. Sequel to Labyrinth would have been. Uh, that's I, I can see that. Yeah. I realize there's a comic book already that's a sequel to Labyrinth. I'm not Doesn't talking count. about yeah, that. I want the David Bowie movie with David Bowie. Uh, and that by process of elimination, that means that random.org thought that John should go last. John. Random.org, we bring Syracuse to you last. <laughs> I like the fact that uh, Jason and lots of other people have already picked my honorable mention, so I don't have to like pick multiple things with the whole remaking. Remaking the prequels or doing sequels when the when the actors were still alive yeah, in Star Wars. Yeah. But It was always part of your plan, yep. wasn't it? Every yeah. time. I, I 
I rigged random.org. Yeah. You're behind random.org. It's not random at all. It's John Syracuse. Random or not. I came up with a theme song. Random or not. That's where he got his random numbers fortune. (laughs) Incepted it into uh, Steve's head. So for for whatever reason, maybe my tastes are all just too conventional, but I find myself thinking of things that were actually made, but I don't like how they were made. For example, Ah. I could, you know, Dark Tower movies or something that are good. But the one I picked is a movie that was made three times over, right? Uh, more than that. Uh, but they didn't make the one that I wanted to make. Uh, what I want to see in the world that does not exist is Guillermo del Toro's Hobbit movie. Mm, or Hobbit oh, movies. Oh, totally. Because he was signed up to direct those, and it didn't end up working out. And what we got instead were three very long, very flabby movies about one very short book. And... Uh, I would love to see what Del Toro would do with The Hobbit. I love Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, I thought Shape of Water was pretty good. Uh, you know, he he has a particular visual style and sensibility that I think would be very different. And, and I think The Hobbit movies were, uh, they, you know, Peter Jackson, like I liked his Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, but I think a doing the hobbit with a different sensibility would match the books because the hobbit feels very different than lord of the rings um and so i really wish that had worked out and we could be watching those movies instead of the hobbit instead of not watching the hobbit (laughs) movies that were made uh john it's good we should do uh we should do some episodes about the lord of the rings movie shouldn't we yeah that was what was it the topic that we wish we would do as lord of the rings uh was going to be my pick but then just to make sure i looked it up on the website it turns out we did that five years ago when i was on all the episodes yeah it was a (laughs) two-parter two-parter yeah we did it already the hobbit hobbit hanukkah we can do it again is we get this is the this is the mcnulty factor once we forget that we've done the episodes, <laughs> Less than three we parts do them again. good i'm gonna pick something here because this is not mm. about my choice my uh, capricious choices for the incomparable and say mm. that i what i really got stuck on was the idea of um uh, as many of these are like uh, continuations things that ended too soon um and, and i always like the idea of how somewhere in in, in fact in the uh, uh, a TV series that is just finishing its first season on the air. Uh, there is a reference at one point, it, it involves parallel universes, and there is a reference at one point to the attempt to smuggle Prince's latest album from a parallel universe <laughs> to our universe. Oh, uh, spoilers. And, and I think about th- I think about that. Well, I didn't say what the show is, so people wouldn't mm-hmm. even know unless Some they've seen it. Some of us have probably figured it out. Yeah, well, okay. It's just, <laughs> yep. it's just an aside. Okay. It has nothing to do with the plot, but it is a very mm-hmm. sad moment. And I thought that is actually what uh what all of mine in this category would probably be so i thought about star trek the original series season four but frankly season mm-hmm. three is so bad <laughs> that I, I think if, if they had done a season four it may have never had fans like literally they'd be like nope <laughs> nope we had enough well, here's one don't bring it back star trek season three by dc fontana yeah, and gene well, Kuhn. that's true so what i'm gonna there say is firefly not season two season five because yeah. I'm really yeah. glad that there was a season yeah. two three and four uh that's what i would have liked to have seen was wh- how how do they handle sticking the landing in firefly season five alas we will never know so you know oh well and uh, once the portals open to all the parallel universes and we get all the movies and albums and books and stuff that never got made because of tragedy of one kind or another then uh then then we'll be satisfied 
But until Unfortunately, then... Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure they had no idea what they were doing when they started that series. Yeah, probably season not. Season five would have been a disaster. <laughs> they were all going to be in purgatory yeah, at the end. They would have righted it, but season two and three probably would have been terrible. They, they, they wrapped like, up right season one in one two-hour movie in a pretty satisfying manner. I have faith in them. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to our last round in this category. Also, we're going to follow the same random.org selection again. for Random.org. Uh, not <laughs> as random as the last time. <laughs> You should sing that song with all the words in different order, though, each time, Steve. Mm, it's too random. It's t- takes a lot of work. This is the most conceptual of all the rounds, which is, which is this. We are the last survivors of Earth on a spaceship headed for a new planet. Don't ask questions about this premise. What is one thing you want to make sure is saved from our current culture to be appreciated or worshipped by the citizens of the new human society on the new planet. I have questions about this premise. Uh, ask Don't ask, ask them. John after the show. Uh, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is a uh, both an artistic choice and a practical choice. Uh, one of my very favorite authors. Are those two separate choices? Because I've just about had it with you, Mister. <laughs> it's it's the don't, same choice. Don't worry, it's the my cho- same choice. My pick will be neither. <laughs> it's it's the work of Harlan Ellison, but specifically the the Down with expanded works. no the expanded revised anniversary edition of the Essential Ellison because it's sort of like all the best stuff in one spot. It's also very practical if you have to drop it on things to kill them. Yeah, this is very handy very when you're in another book. planet. That's right. If there's a bug. You can just drop right. it on him, yeah. squash it, and change change future history. Solid, but yeah, he's he's just uh, he's so prolific. He's and and just a febrile creative mind. You know, I whenever I read anything of his, it makes me want to write something else, right? And I'm sure he's written a story about uh, the things you take on a ship to save to worship in future things. So, so it seemed kind of fitting. Also, it, it won't affect the timeline at all if you crush a bug, because this is not a time machine premise. This is just going to another planet. But thank you. Monty. That bug was time traveling. Interesting. Right. Okay, good point. You got me. <laughs> um, okay, so you, since we're not supposed to ask questions about the premise, I will just go straight to my best answer, which is the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> now, are we, Any haunted mansion? Are we taking um, Disney's Disney's the haunted mansion? The, the actual ride from Disney World? Disneyland. Disneyland. The Disneyland Which haunted year? mansion. The Which Disneyland year? is better. current one, but oh, not okay. uh, Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. Right. So it does right. have the hat box ghost so in it. Now, here's my question. Mm. Is the Haunted Mansion in operation on the p- spaceship, or will it just be kind of like unfolded at the destination? It's, it's flat-packed, Ikea-style. S- s- some assembly required. <laughs> the entire Haunted Mansion <laughs> is in the spaceship. Okay. So you wanted to just take flight like the end of Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's gonna exactly. Spaceship yeah. is the Haunted space. Mansion. As that. you remember, the Rocky Horror Picture Show castle is a spaceship. It is. Yes. It was established. So I feel that this future civilization will want to know about horror which the haunted mansion has and it will want to know about fun which the haunted mansion has (laughs) it's not some musty old book it's a whole theme park experience a culture a human culture (laughs) desperately needs to know about horror and fun those are the things it needs to know i mean we could just bring silent hill and a playstation but sure bring the whole haunted mansion (laughs) i am bringing the whole haunted mansion thank you good well done well done lisa it's your turn what are you saving Terry Pratchett's entire Discworld run. Nice. 
Mm. All right, choice. Mm-hmm. Discworld goes in the goes in the uh, spaceship in the haunted mansion in the corner, a nice corner of it the haunted. It becomes required reading. It's the foundational. Yeah. It's the foundational canon of the new civilization. Well, that and Harlan Ellison. People take Buzzfeed. Yeah. People mm-hmm. take Buzzfeed quizzes on the new world, and the quizzes sort them into: Are you Granny Weatherwax? Are you Magrat? Are you Nanny Ock? That's <laughs> that's how pervasive it becomes. I am Gaspode, the talking dog. Is it just the novels, or also? Like the science of Discworld and the maps and stuff. Oh my god, yeah. all of it, all, all of it. Even the even even the thing that they're they're considered apocrypha. Okay. Lisa, I've got yeah. great news for you. The new world will be Discworld. <laughs> now I have questions. <laughs> nope, there are no questions Don't allowed. Dan, your turn. <laughs> so we're all on this ship, and we're picking something to be appreciated or warship. So clearly, my only choice is. The Caledonian Gambit. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm kidding. Over. It's supernatural. Uh, I was going to pick the uh, Lois McMaster Bujold's Vorkosigan Saga, the entire run, which is possibly still going. Who knows? But I figure you could do worse than that. That's pretty good. They're going to have some good books in. Uh, yeah. And, Why don't you just bring and, her and write books on the way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's bookshelves inside the Human haunted mansion. You can just keep bring the there. books. Yeah, I, I'm just. This is fascinating. So it's going to be Discworld, Vorkosigan, Harlan Ellison, and the, and they're all going to be in the haunted mansion. And the people are going to be like, "What planet? How did we survive this planet?" So far, I think we should <laughs> blow up the Earth because we'll be doing better at this point. Yeah, this is a pretty good uh, thing. So, Steve, what uh, what are you saving? What am I saving? Oh boy, um, I am saving. Sid Meier's Civilization, the computer <laughs> game. Oh, wow. It's a how-to manual. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I were stuck with just one one piece of entertainment to to deal with for the rest of my life, I, this is what I would choose. I've been playing it for over two decades. I still find it endlessly fascinating, and it acts as a historical document of human history on Earth. So, mm. not only is it fun, but it's also useful. You've been playing for two decades. You haven't won yet. You're, you're not very good at this game. <laughs> no, I win a lot. Can we say that we're flying two Alpha Centauri on this spaceship? No. That Aww. was terrible. That game was terrible. You just asked a question. Sorry, you're Sid not Meyer. allowed to do that. No questions. Glenn. Uh, I think we should just bring Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep because it has androids and an empathy and machine. We totally forget about sheep. Very the confusing. Sheep, no it has electric sheep in it. Uh, I think it's <laughs> Philip K. Dick's of all the things I've read by him. I don't know if it's the best, but I think it is the best capturing of the notion of the human condition. And also Earth is possibly destroyed while we're leaving, maybe. So the book might give us some insight <laughs> into a destroyed Earth, possibly, and what we have to do to rebuild it. The future will need to know ambiguity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll have to understand and fun. <laughs> all the terrible things we did. So we do. It'll, it'll teach us why we should not build androids to replace us on the new planet, because they will also destroy all us. Right. Bad Good. news, Glenn, there are androids in the Haunted Mansion. Are they androids, John Syracuse? Different podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <There's> ghosts? <laughs> crossing the streams. Erica. They're, they're maligned. What are you saving? Well, I... Is it the Rebus operation? It's not the Rebus operation. <laughs> In fact... She'll, she'll bring that as an oral tradition. Totally I did. I did consider the bringing operation. the entire the entire run of Doctor Who, but I, I think that, that that's not the, the best idea because it's just so much. No, and I wanted people to... will start with Hartnell and they'll be like, screw this. <laughs> this civilization just... shouldn't even be here. I, like uh, I wanted to just drill down and and pick something that would 
I think really have a good and important impact on the society that we are we are building. So, uh, you know, to have really have a message. So I am going to choose to save just one little bit out of just one little episode of just one little Doctor Who story. And that is the speech the 12th Doctor gives to the Master near the end of The Doctor Falls. It is the last proper story in Peter Capaldi's last series with the show. And just as importantly, it's the last regular episode written by Stephen Moffat, showrunner. And I think he does an amazing job at encapsulating not just the 12th Doctor's rationale for doing the things that he's doing, but it sums up the Doctor as a character and the entire show itself. He, it's just, it's not even a very long speech. It's pretty short. And in it, he just, he makes clear that he's not doing what he's doing to win or to beat anybody or because it's fun or because it works because it usually doesn't. Um, he does it because it's right and it's decent and most importantly, it's kind. So it's just this heart wrenching entreaty to his best friend to stand with him. And even more importantly, it's an entreaty to everybody who is watching to the whole world to just try to help and be kind. And for me, that's the most important thing that I would want to make sure I send along with whatever's left of the human race. The thing I want them to have is they start all over someplace new. I want to make sure everybody works together to make sure that they survive. So what better societal foundation can they have than simple kindness? Yeah. So you're yeah. Uh, the, you're, you're going to set the the new culture on the right path. That's my that's my plan. With the uh, the teachings of the doctor, teachings of thus spake Capaldi. We'll erect a giant obelisk with the speech on it. Mm, be and kind and beware of hitchhiking ghosts. And please rewind. Uh, John, that leaves you. How are you? Uh, how are you equipping this uh, the, this new culture with something from our existing culture? So I'm starting from the premise that space travel will change us as a people. Like we're mm. going far away where, you know, it's easy to forget, you know, where we came from. So I want to send along something that will help those future humans understand the nature of the human experience on Earth that was. Beer? Yeah, maybe. No, I think I think they'll figure that out on their own. Uh, and so what I have selected, I've, I've narrowed it down to just picking one thing because the question was too open-ended. And the one thing <laughs> that I would send along is the video game journey surprise uh, <laughs> the reason i'm picking this is because i think it is fairly universal you know like they made those gold records and send out jazz and stuff i think you need a little content a lot of context for that even for the 12th doctor speech i think you need a lot of context uh to understand where it's coming from but journey has no words it is cross-cultural uh it doesn't really show or model anything from human civilization it is entirely an experience that uh is meant to interact with human nature as it existed at the time journey was made so as we become more and more distant from uh you know the old humans and earth it will serve as a way to understand what people were like that this affected them that this this was a this was an experience made to be affecting to those people and as it becomes not you know not as effective as humans evolve on their distant planet, at least it will serve as a reminder of where they came from. Now, how do you feel about the fact that they can't possibly experience it the proper way? Oh, they're bringing the whole planet. network. They're bringing, they're bringing the servers. They're oh. bringing all oh, oh, PlayStation 3. He's bringing the whole Haunted right. Mansion. I could bring it there. Yes, you could. It, it's networked, it's networked <laughs> across the ship, and people object. are in their own little pods, and they can you know, all play with each other at random times. It's the, the whole thing. So much for I'm just bringing one thing. That's one just thing. Brought the internet in with journey. <laughs> no, it, no, it's just it's just one thing. It's the entire journey <laughs> multiplayer experience. experience. It, it, if the journey haunted experience. mansion is one thing, so is this. Very nice. That'll be. This is a really weird uh, culture that we've set up here, but that's uh, that's what it is. 
Well, look who you've had on the show. That's true. Well, <laughs> yeah. I will then contribute the uh, first 400 episodes of the Incomparable Podcast. Enjoy. <laughs> oh, yes. No, that's no. going to be very confusing to crash and burn. Speaking of context. And on that note, I want to thank my panelists for being here and drafting things in episode 400. We drafted four rounds. And I want to thank them all for being frequent panelists on this weird podcast that we do. Dan Morin, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Good to be here and survive the destruction of the Earth. Yep, that's right. We're all on our way. See you, suckers. We're on our way to the new planet. We're taking these books and this video game and this haunted mansion with us. You can't stop us. John Syracuse, thank you. Still waiting for that draft draft. Mm. Mm. It'll happen. It'll happen. We have to do more drafts first so we have more things to pick in the draft draft. More drafts. (laughs) David J. Lohr, thank you. Thank you, as always. I just when, When are we doing the lightning round? uh just stay stay tuned stay tuned scott mcnulty who hasn't said very much in this episode but thanks to him steve lutz (laughs) thank you 400 episodes what is wrong with us (laughs) (laughs) i think we need more episodes to figure it out tune in next week honestly 400 episodes isn't nearly as depressing as looking back at episode one and seeing that august 22nd 2010 Uh, the, thing, the thing that made me laugh is I found an episode that was I think uh, I think it was the second book in the uh, in the King Killer Chronicles, which by the way, third book still doesn't exist. And I remember thinking to myself that that was a latter day episode. It's like episode fifty six or something. It's not wow. even close to That's a latter day episode. And yet I think of that as one of the later episodes. Just how Erica is one of the newer panelists yeah, since she didn't exactly. appear until episode one hundred and sixty. Mm-hmm. Everything after episode 48 is modern. Yeah, that's right. Well, well said. And it's post, post-modern. Well said, Monty. Well, thank you. It's it's nice to be a, a modern companion. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Monty, Ashley, thank you. Uh, I was going to bring just a 20-sided die, but I was worried our sponsor, random.org, would get mad at me. Random.org. <laughs> our lawyers want to talk to Monty. <laughs> uh, Erica Ensign, thank you. It has been lovely to be here for however many episodes I've been here for. I have not done the math. It's again, you've, well, you've been on the panel for the for 40 percent, 40 percent. That's a good number. I think that's uh, and you've been host of at least one uh, mothership. That's episode. true. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Who it's let that happen for the new kid? It's great. It's that's that's one of my new uh, that needs to be one of my new plans is just to get other people to host things because then I don't need to even watch the movie or, or, or read the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. or, that's there right. You no, you have to watch them anyway. So the rules of the podcast, even if you're not on it, Jason has to watch. Oh it. no! Oh no! That's <laughs> no. terrible. What a terrible <laughs> wrinkle in the rules. Who set that up? Uh, Glenn Fleischman probably did. Glenn, thank you for being here. You know, as I said to my wife on our 20th anniversary, and I've said many times since, I can't believe you still tolerate me, but I'm glad to be here. Well, it comes from a place of love, Glenn. That's the important thing. <laughs> That's what she said. Mm-hmm. That's, fine. That's, That's what she said. Indeed. And Lisa Schmeiser, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I've, I've enjoyed all the episodes that I've been on. <laughs> the other ones, not so much. Those are terrible. Those the best. And I want to thank everybody out there who has listened to, uh, not necessarily even all, that's kind of not even in the premise of the show, some of these episodes, and we hope you've enjoyed them. Thank you for listening to this silly thing that we've been doing since 2010, and we'll continue to do it until an indefinite point in the future when the world ends and we leave in our spaceship with our haunted mansion. <laughs> but we'll only have the first 400 episodes of The Incomparable with us. Anything from here on in? At least the first 400. That's all we need. The rest destroyed the Earth. And to those members of the uh, future civilization founded by us who are reaching the end of the sacred tome of the first 400 
100 episodes of The Incomparable. Good luck. Anyway, I've been your host slash god figure, uh, Jason Still. And uh, for those of you who are not on the alien planet, we'll see you next week for episode 401. That's it. We're done. Well, these 400 episodes were great. This podcast is over.